Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction. Everybody say discipline. Everybody say instruction. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Today, we're going to spend some time together with two beautiful couples, and we're going to talk about the family, the discipline and the instruction that our children need to experience. And in a time like today where everything in the world, the mainstream media, Hollywood, the music we listen to, is trying to indoctrinate our children, it's our responsibility as men and women of God, come on, to impart to them the truth of the Bible, the kingdom of God. To impart to them the kingdom in their hearts or minds so that as we train them and then when they grow up they will not depart from it can i hear an amen amen so good you know i love that we get an opportunity to do this in the house of god i think there's many of us that are parents right now and we're saying give us wisdom you know today we're going to talk a little bit about raising slightly older children so elementary age junior high, high school, not so much toddler and baby, but I feel there's a real need for this in the house of God, that we need to know how to live. We need to know how to apply godly principles, talk about real things. Come on, we are fresh, real, and powerful, that we've got real questions we want real answers to. And, you know, a lot of us, we didn't come from a perfect family. I would say none of us did. It's pretty certain even the best families, you know, there's there's room to grow and there's learn, there's room to change and to hear from God. And so it doesn't really matter where we started, but it matters how we finish. And we have a responsibility to disciple our children. And we always say it, it, it takes a village to raise a kid. It takes a village to raise a family. But I believe it takes a church. And the church is here to fill in the gaps for things that we don't know. And, and you know, maybe you're a single mom in here today and you're saying, I, I don't know how to do this all on my own. But it takes a church. But I also feel it's not just the responsibility of the church to raise our kids. And I think that's, that's an easy thing to do as parents. Well, they're over there in kids' church and hopefully they learn how to pray and they learn a few things because I don't know the answers for them. But there's a beautiful beautiful partnership between the parents and the house of God that we can apply the word of God and raise incredible, amazing, godly kids. And I just want to say this before we jump into it, there are no perfect parents and there are no perfect children. And so we are in good company today because even if we did our very best, we're not going to do it perfectly. So take off the shame. You might be thinking, is it too late? Did I already mess them up? We think about that often with our teenager I'm like oh gosh I thought you were gonna say that I messed my children up it's okay I probably did. we probably did you know and it's okay because that's where God comes in in the Holy Spirit so will you help us welcome up two incredible couples with the most amazing children Pastor Sal and Christina Sines and Adrian and Lorena Gonzalez they're gonna join us on the stage 
We're gonna try to fit on this stage up here today. Go ahead, guys. Oh, thank you. So good, okay, you guys can have a seat. As we dive into this, it's gonna be so good. And as we go, we just want to honor pastors Jurgen and Leanne Matesias. Come on for their faith, their vision. Come on, give it up for our pastors, Mike and Katie, Jaeger. You know, their sacrifice and how they paved the way for us to have church and um, the cost and sacrifice that they've gone through. But um, anyways, we're really excited to, to talk about this. But right before as we jump right into it, can you guys talk a little bit about yourselves and your upbringing and then how long you've been married and how many children you have and all the good stuff? Want me to start? Okay, for us, uh, well, for Lorena, she grew up in a, you know, a good family, good, good, good mom, good dad. But her dad, uh, growing up, her dad was an alcoholic and passed away when, when Lorena was 15 years old, and so she lost her dad at 15. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic too, and I lost my dad to divorce at 15, 16 also. So we didn't, you know, grow up in a perfect family, but we, we did have a family, but it wasn't perfect. Um, we have five kids, we have five kids. We have Caleb, which is, raise your hand, puppy, 23. Oh. Then we have uh, Karen, she's in Europe, she's over there for 17 days, she's 21. We have Kenya, which is 16. We have Cohen, that is 14. No, no, Cohen is 12, Cairo is 14, sorry, sorry. We have five kids, we have five kids, we have five kids. So, so yeah, we didn't, we, we didn't grow up Christian, you know, when, when we started going to church, uh, we weren't even married, but we were living together. We are just broken, we didn't know how life went. But, you know, God did a change. And just to encourage you, church, if God changed us and is changing us, he could do it for you guys, too. Um, you know, we, the same with that. We come from a broken home. Um, my parents were divorced when I was 10. Her parents are still married, but it was, it was separated. A little toxic there. But, you know... Um, <laughs> It was a lot of stuff going on, and, you know, it's like Adrian was already saying, you know, we don't come from perfect families, you know, and I don't think any of us did, but, you know, something that uh, uh, I believe God changed the course of our life, you know, and I have three boys, Joshua, 17, Caleb, 16, my youngest is nine, kids' church, and um, it's just something that, you know, it's a blessing to be in God's house, to, to learn what we're going to do, how to do it, how to go about it, but... Uh, you know, it's just a blessing to be where, where we're at right now. And, and it's never too late. You know, I came from Brooklyn. I had no father. <laughs> and yet um, here I am trying to be a father. You know what I mean? But God is my father and he's teaching me how to do that, you know. And I come from a perfect home. And uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> same. Same story. Divorced and same for you. But uh, anyways, I think, I think what's important here is we can all relate and we can all learn from each other. Uh, but anyways, go for it, babe. Well, I think looking at, you know, what's beautiful is you've broken through generational things in your family, and that's a big part of parenting is us allowing God to transform us so that we can actually have something to give our children. And then we look at your beautiful kids, and most of them are in our house often, and they're just the most incredible kids. I'm so thankful that my kids get to do life with yours because, like I said, it takes a church. It takes a village. So I'm glad that when they're at your house, too, you can just 
keep them in check, and we all need each other. Um, but, you know, I want to talk about, um, we'll get right into it, because there is so much gold that we want to pull out of you guys, and it's not just in your family, but you counsel and pastor so many families in our church, so you've seen it all. There's nothing, you know, that's shocking, and we want to glean from that wisdom. So I want to talk about um, a little bit about correction, and so moments where our children need instruction, and they need discipline, and they need correction, and I think we're seeing a generation grow up of young adults where they definitely didn't have that growing up, and it shows. And so the Bible in Proverbs, all through Proverbs, talks about if we love our child, we will discipline them. But that looks different at every stage, looks different for every kid. And so could you give us some practicals on what it looks like when our kids make a mistake, they need instruction, they need correction, so that we can handle those moments well with our kids? Okay, I guess I'm going to start, Rudy, and she'll finish. <laughs> so for us, I think it's, you know, whenever something happens with uh, one of our kids, any situation, uh, you know, we have to look at their heart. What's going on in the heart? It's not so much. It's, we see kids like, like a tree, right? There's a tree. It has roots. and It has, it has fruit. So let's say that, that they did something that they shouldn't. You know, we, sometimes we see the fruit, but we don't know what the root is. Wow. So we usually try to, you know, sit down with the kids and, and talk and, 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 you know, explain to them, you know, one of the, the reasons they're going through whatever they're going, we need to identify if there's like anger, if there's resentment, if there's anything in the heart. Because you would think, you know, kids at 10, 11, 12 years old, how can they have resentment? How can they have anger? But, you know, there's stuff, you know, that the, the world brings and that they they get either from TikTok or for being on their phones or school or whatever. So we have to, or even from us or you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not my side. So, yeah, even that's true. Sometimes even you know it could be from us. You know, they hear us. You know, going through stuff or whatever. But I think it's good to identify you know the situation and kind of sit down with the kids. You know, I was sharing in the morning uh, service that you know. Uh, Pastor Natalie was at Pathfinders, and she was talking to us on Tuesday in regards to integrity. Yeah. And, and I think it's something that kids need, need to know about integrity. I got so fired up at Pathfinders, I got home like at 10 o'clock at night, and I told Lorena, you know what, let's call the kids. And so we called everybody down, right, kids? And we, we sat down, and, and we're like, what, what's integrity for you guys? What, what does that look like for you? Tell us, you know, and then we, you know, poured, poured more into them and just expanded it, you know, just examples and how to be awesome like me. I mean, like, you know, just kidding. But just, you know, just spending the time, spending the time. Um, I think for me, with the, the discipline part would be, um, I've learned how to try to bring him into my world so I can easily correct them. And what I mean by that is taking them to men's prayer and really be around what, when they go around in the circle and they share, I know exactly what they're dealing with because they're saying something. And instead of coming from a hard place of, oh, I'm your dad, and you got, I can have an understanding of like, well, they're going through this, so let me be a little bit easier. I'm gonna correct, but I'm gonna be a little bit not so hammering, right? So it's very key men, if you have kids that are, I take my youngest, nine years old, to 17, to men's prayer. You have to bring them to men. It's not even a question. There shouldn't be anything like, oh, man, bring them to men's prayer. 
Because, you know, sometimes they won't pray with me. They'll go with their friends. But other times they'll pray with me. And when they say something, they're coming, it's coming from here. They need help with this. They need prayer. You know, and I can hear and I'm like, I can key in on, okay, they're going through something. Maybe they might not talk to me. Some of them, two of my kids are really, they'll talk. Another one is like a sphinx. I can hardly get anything out of that man. You know what I mean? And, but he's, he's observing. He's talk, when he wants to talk, he'll talk to me. And when he talks, it's weight. It's got weight on it. You know what I mean? So, so every kid's different. You got to figure out which is which. But the best thing is get, get them to men's prayer. And if we don't come to men's prayer, in the morning, we pray at the house in the living room together. And I still hear what they're going through. We come to men's prayer. I'll take them to breakfast after. Not every time, but after we'll hang out. You know what I mean? Build those bonds. Those are simple things that you can do. Men's prayer, you hear what they're going through, and take them out. You know, that conversation can still blossom when you go out and you're having breakfast with your son. You know what I mean? Sorry, ladies. I know I don't have any daughters, but my wife will probably be the one that would took her to, to women's prayer. But that's, that's what I do with my boys. Um, so that's, that's so what brilliant. I brilliant. Yeah, please. We mentioned this in the morning. Um, there's a good book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. If you guys don't understand the concept of a heart issue and a behavior um, outburst, um, there's a root to it. So that would be a great book for every parent and grandparent. And it's in Spanish too, Pastoreando el Corazón de un Niño. So go ahead and look for those books. Those are great resources. If you don't catch the name, catch us after the service. I love that. And Christina, I don't know if you want to touch on consistency. You talked about that before. Um, and when it, to discipline, yes. Um, as you guys see in the different phases and the ages that you're in, one of the things that I learned, and like I said, we're not perfect parents, so everything that I've done, it's been with God's hands, you know? Everything I've done is like, okay, I don't know it all, but I know God, and he knows how to guide me through it. So one of the things in disciplining is like, is remaining consistent in whatever that you do, because it might not show in the moment, you're kind of like, I feel like I've done this already, like two minutes ago. You know, we've had this conversation. I've sat them down. We've talked this over and over again. But remaining consistent and trusting God with what you're sharing with them, taking the moment to speak into their lives, because, and later on, you will see the fruit. You might not see it in that moment, but there's times where I'm hearing from other parents, oh my gosh, your boys, and they were so this and that, and I'm like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. You know, like what we're doing in our home is overflowing in their lives when they encounter others. But it's the, it's, I might not always see the fruit in that moment, and it might not feel comfortable. And tell, I'm telling your parents, it's not always easy. It's kind of, you're in a frustrating mode maybe, and you want to just give up. But that's the moment you just got to remain firm and know what you're pouring into your boys and your children, because that's going to go on and on into their lives. You know, one of the things that my husband said is being in their world, because your world would have weight when you're in their world. We do practical things. Bring them in. Be present in what's important to them. You know, I'll give you an example. When our boys have a baseball game or a football game, we are all there. You know, and there's moments where they're just like, Mom, I want to go out with my friends. Or, oh, Mom, there's this happening. And I'm like, no, your brother has a baseball game. We are going to, he's going to see us in the stands, and we are going to be present in there because we do things as a family, and we're present in what matters to them, you know? And we include that in all our boys and all our children. You guys are with us, and we're doing this together. So good. So. Brilliant. Can I add something? Okay, for me, talking about what Pastor Christina is saying about being consistent, I think that, you know, as, as, 
as a couple, we have to agree that that we have to be consistent. I remember uh, with Caleb was, was uh, younger, uh, like, I don't know, when he was, I don't remember his age, but like 15 years ago, we didn't have, we didn't have like a, like, like a youth, youth group. So I remember the first youth group that started at Awaken back then, C3, was in Carlsbad. So every Friday, it, it, they used to do my Fridays, we used to have to drive up there for an hour be there for an hour, you know, stay up there with friends or whatever, but we would do it every Friday. Why? Because we were paying the price for our kids because our, our kids are worth everything we do for them. Everything we do for them is worth it, you know? So don't, don't, don't take those things for granted, guys. As, as men of God and women of God and families of God, we need to be persistent with our families and with our kids. So brilliant. You know, and, and it can be... If you're a, a brand new Christian or you didn't grow up in the house of God, or maybe your, your parents weren't Christian, you, they didn't develop you or raise you in the, in the house or in the principles of the kingdom, right. as a parent, you can be intimidated thinking, gosh, how, how do I discipline? How do I correct? What are the things that I, that I touch on? What are the things that I don't? Right. And, and the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. Yeah. And, and when to say and what to say at the right time. So I want to encourage you, don't underestimate the power of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. For us, since, since River and Harper were little, one thing that I, I just felt like it did not click with me w whenever I saw disrespect or dishonor. And nobody taught me that, but I knew. And then I learned, oh, my gosh, the principle of honor. So if I ever see dishonor in my home, I tackle it right away. And I'm strong with him. I look him in the eye. You will not disrespect your mother like that. Yeah. And with the same with Harper, even with each other. Hey, we're a people of honor. We're a family of honor. And for us, we're a united front. We're a team. So when we discipline, or when Natalie's disciplining, in fact, I'll let you touch on that. That's, yeah. I love that you said a united front, like, yeah. and Christina, you touched on this in the 9 a.m. Yeah. It's really important as a unit, as parents, like, we are on the same team. And so I may not agree with him in that moment. I may not agree with how it was done, what was said, the tone that was used. But the moment that our children are being disciplined by the other parent is not the moment to come in and, like, stand in the way of the child and protect them from the other parent. Like, we need to trust one another enough to know, hey, you're not going to get it right. I'm not going to always get it right, but we've got to trust each other and allow that moment of correction to happen. And then behind closed doors, we can have a conversation. Hey, I'm not sure you fully understood what was going on there. Let me give you a context of why they were acting that way. But women, I want to, I want to speak to the women in the room because I think this is a common thing that we are, you know, we're raising the kids, we're, we're with them most of the time, and sometimes we think we have a better idea of how something should go down when it comes to correction, and we have a good intention of just trying to bring, you know, we're the buffer, and, you know, dad might come home, and maybe he's fired up, and we're trying to, you know, stand in the way, but if we do that, we break that relationship between the children and their father. We discredit them. And we actually, I believe the fruit of that is raising mama's boys and raising manipulative little girls. And that's not what we want. We don't know that we're doing it in the moment, but we think we're, you know, coming to save the day. But they look at dad like he's got no authority. We know who's really in charge here. We know how to get what we really want. Yep. And that's never what we're really wanting to do, but we do it accidentally. And I think some of us, mom or dad, we've, we had extreme discipline, borderline abuse growing up, and it brought shame, um, it brought fear, it was unhealthy, and so 
our response is to just not do it at all. So we're just going to be, you know, extra loving and just only encouraging. And the fruit of that is undisciplined children that if we don't discipline them, the world is going to discipline them. Somebody in their world is going to discipline them. And so be empowered. It's uncomfortable in the moment to like hurt your kids or upset your kids or you feel like this is the last thing I really want to do. But if you don't, somebody else will. And when they get older and it's someone who doesn't do it in love, who has their back, it's going to be very painful for them. And so you're going to have to walk them through that moment. So just walk them through this one. So good. What a good word. So we want to encourage you and empower you to be strong with your children. Raise up strong children. Um, and if you look at, you look at Genesis chapter 2, when, when God created Adam and Eve, how he brought Adam to life. He breathed life into him. So I want to encourage you to have a great balance of, yeah, be strong, correct them, discipline them, but also shower them with love. Speak life into them. Son, you're going to change the world one day. Harper, you're going to be this amazing girl one day. God's going to use you. God is an assignment on your life. So they know that, oh my gosh, you know, it's not just like dad is like this, you know, the Shrek or whatever, always angry, or mom, whatever that may be. But we always have that beautiful tension of love, but also strong correction and discipline. Amen? Amen. Well, let's go into a really good subject, which is technology. How do you guys handle the phone, the iPad, you know, the, the, the accessibility that we have nowadays? Me? All right, I'm the techie, I guess. Um, I think we talked. I talked a little bit about um, trust. You know, um, you know, we can take away their device, but obviously, you know, they're probably going to find something else to look at, some other way to go after whatever it is. So the best thing that I've found is to teach them what make great decisions when something's coming in front of you. Try to build in them. When something's coming at them, what is the decision you're going to make? Are you going to make the wrong one? That's fine. I'll still be here to love you and care for you, but I'm going to correct you in making the right one. Okay? So you have to trust them. I can take away the device. I can put applications, which I'm very well um, aware of, <laughs> of how to monitor the device, lock it down, all this and that. But they'll just look at this and like, well, I can't get where I need to get. So they'll toss it and go somewhere else to something else. So the problem really isn't the device, right? It's... What is your child deciding to do when he has a device in his hand? Okay, you have, to, you have to build that trust and relate with them and figure out. And I love what um, Pastor Marco said in the last one. He shared his, um, his uh, struggles or, you know, and that's something that I, I, I try to do often with my boys. That I share the things that I've struggled, that I've shared. Hey, I had a hard time. I'm not going to figure, I'm not going to know everything there is to know about how to raise you, but I'm trying my best. And I'm going to mess up. Always be ready to ask for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry. I messed up. Hey, I messed up. Because if you're just thinking that I'm the father and I'm just going to, you're going to just do whatever I say. But that's not how God does it with us. You know what I mean? And God is our perfect model. So how does God help you, right? Is the same way you're going to reflect that with your kids. How are you going to get to them? So really, it's, it's really not so much device. I don't want to, because I can take their devices. My boys have devices. All of them, obviously, because I'm, I'm in that field. But I need to teach them how to make correct decisions. That's what it boils down to. And in my faults, I got to teach them, hey, this is what I did. I don't want you to fall into the same mistake, right? So as they, as they learn from me, they're not going to make the same mistakes, okay? So use yourself as an example, even though it's hard. 
Because we want to portray I'm the perfect father. I don't want them to know what kind of struggles I have or what I dealt with. But the more you get out there, the more they're going to connect with you, right? And the more they're going to understand, man, okay, he's dealing with that. I can do, and, and Pastor Marco said it perfectly in the last, at 9 o'clock. He, you can, do, you can you relate with the struggles. And your son's going to come to you and like, okay, he dealt with that. I'm going to be able to, you know, relate. He's going to relate with me. And I can come to him and talk to him. Because that's what we want as fathers. I want to be able to walk my sons through everything in life. I'm not going to do it for them. I'm going to walk them through it, right? And they're going to make the, the mistakes, and they're going to make the things that they have. But I'm going to be right there championing them, trying to help them any way I possibly can. You know what I mean? And that's the key. Don't worry about the device. Figure out how to get, tap into the, your son's heart, your daughter's heart, because that's where it's at. <laughs> okay. I think for us it was a big deal. It still is kind of. There's... Um, devices everywhere in our house. Our boys were gamers. Even Caleb, when he was little, he used to play a lot. Um, both our boys played video games. So that was a form of like, I don't know, you know, outlet for them, entertainment, whatever. But it's the whole uh, setting the boundaries of how long to play, how much to use them, um, and not losing. I think the biggest boundary for us was, the importance of the boundary was to not lose touch with connecting personally, to be relational with people. Because this whole... Um, Texting and just online life is it it makes them lose their their touch with reality with speaking to real people looking them in the eye considering you know their conversation there and not kind of like text can be so misinterpreted there's been issues with texting and friends and things being read the wrong way because that's the way it is there's just you can't tone can be so wrong but um, I think the boundary there was for us or for you know us together has been always the fact of they can't lose touch with real life. They can't lose touch with reality, with um, meeting real people, speaking to people, being polite, looking them in the eye, not losing the, the desire to be with real people. Not everything is going to be online. And so um, we touched on this before with Dr. Lisa. I had a conversation before about this whole texting, dating. We're talking. We're Instagram official. We're guys. <laughs> I could not survive being single in this time. Um, so that whole situation just takes it to, we have to get into their world. We are so from another time that just being in their world and the whole technology thing, um, but keeping the boundaries with the phones as much as we can because, or iPads because they need to be present. No phones, no, no devices um, on the table while we eat. You know, when the older ones were little, it was TV. Turn off the TV, we're going to have, you know, a meal. So just setting the boundary, I don't think we're going to beat this because it's everywhere. I think that technology is, can be used for very, very good reasons. Yeah. But um, we're not going to beat it. It's just a matter of uh, setting boundaries around it and being able to work it and the, the, the importance of how our home works. Yeah. You know, how, what works for our home, what works for our family. You guys have to find that sweet spot, make it open to your kids. And also, like they were saying, trusting the kids. I think I operated a lot from a fear of taking the phone away and, ah, oh, like getting all hysterical about it because I don't know technology. Like all my kids are my techies. I'm like, I can't turn on the TV. Like Netflix isn't working. And they always run to me. But um, that was a fear of mine because I'm not technological. And then also the whole um, sexual immorality that they could find yeah. in images. So that was the biggest deal. 
Um, the conversation has been opened. We have this, you know, ongoing, open uh, talk about these things whenever they come up. So just keep that, keep the conversation open, stay consistent with the kids, and, and stay close, stay present in their lives. So good. I think there's, um, there's age-appropriate boundaries, but I also think, you know, when kids are younger, it's our job as parents to protect them. You can't, you know, give a car to a five-year-old and say, well, we're just going to trust you with that. But when they're 16 and they get their license, that is like a threshold you have to cross as a parent. So when they're young, you protect them, and as they get older, you prepare them. So you're not going to be able to just keep your teenager from every technological device that there is, but it is appropriate to keep maybe my 10-year-old from having that device. And so just some practicals, like we've had to have conversations of if you're going to use this, like with my 10-year-old, our daughter, if you're going to use the iPad and you're going to be on Pinterest looking at stuff for your birthday party, you know, you don't know what's going to pop up on a site like that, and it's my account, and so there could be content that they have access to. Um, I've had to say, okay, it's in the living room when I'm with you. You're not going to be in a room with a closed door and a device where you're not prepared for something to come on a screen and know what to do with it, and that's exactly what the enemy would love for a child to be isolated and for them to have never had a conversation with a parent who cares to prepare them and equip them for that moment. So we have to be able to be strong and have uncomfortable conversations like, honey, if you see a naked person, because she doesn't know other terminology, if you see a naked person on a screen, you need to click off of it, you need to turn it off, and you need to bring me the device. Um, if if we don't have that conversation, they're not going to be prepared when that moment happens. And I say when, not to be like fear-driven, but it's, it's not if, it's when in the culture that we live in, especially if our child has a device. Um, and I think like as they get older, we gave our son River um, at 12, we gave him a phone. And then about six months later, we regretted our decision. <laughs> and we had to say, you know, there, there was some just, it was just a lack of maturity of handling this mini computer. And, um, and then we had to take it back. And it was a punishment at the time. But then as time went on, he's now 13 and we still haven't given it back uh, because we just don't feel like he's ready. We don't feel like oh, the maturity of a 13-year-old, and you know your own kid, um, but I don't even want him to have to bear that burden of being responsible and making the right decision um, when he's just not at the age to be able to do that. And I wanted to say one other thing um, in having uncomfortable conversations, because I read some statistics um, that the number one producer of pornography is junior high to high school age. Not the number one consumer, the number one producer of pornographic content. And this is in the form of taking photos and videos of themselves and sending it to their friends, sending it to someone they meet online. And you know when you're young and you're like, on the playground at recess and someone's like, oh, my friend said that he likes you. And then you're now going out, but you've never spoken. You don't look at each other. You don't even like talk, right? But now we've got these devices that give us this feeling of um, anonymity and that we would say things on a device you would never say in person to another child, to another teenager, but it gives us this feeling of protection where we can, you know, like kind of dabble into an area we would never do in person. And so we have to help them understand, do not take photos of yourself. Um, this will exist on the internet forever, and this is the number one pornographic content on the internet. Um, and now the internet and all of the, I don't know the tech stuff, but they own that content, and it's out there. And then you have children whose lives are ruined because they were given freedom and a device without any instruction manual. So 
Yeah, so good. And it's, you know, it's, it's so important for us to talk about the real issues of today. One of them, one of the biggest ones is pornography. It's, it's one of the devil's main tactic right now to get our, our teenagers, our children, even our young adults, and ourselves. So if that's a tactic the enemy is using, then as parents, we, we should be able to talk about it. And we should, we should have those conversations with them. I was thinking, you know, for me, when I'm at home and, and I'm, you know, I've had a long day and I'm a little stressed out and I'm hungry, I have a thing for sugar, okay, that the devil's breaking off. And I mean, the devil, like God is breaking off in the name of Jesus. But, you know, I tend to eat dessert sometimes a little too many times. And if I'm at home and I, you know, walk through the kitchen and there's like this, you know, the chocolate-covered almonds in the pantry or the chili mangoes, or there's a really good coffee ice cream, either from Trader Joe's or Cold Stone with chocolate chips and almonds. Like, if it's there, I'm like, I'm going to eat it, you know? Like, it's, food is for eating, right? Can I hear an amen? Don't say amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But, but if it's there, if I have access to it, then I'm going to go and do it. And I think we have to think about our children. That's why we took the phone away from River. Uh, we don't want to have any, to have access to things that he's not prepared for right now. And, and I remember for River and I, we had the conversation, the talk, at about 10, 11 years old. And I had to get really real with him. And there's a world out there that brings pornography. And we had to talk about sex. We had to talk about pornography. And I was able to open up and say, hey, son, this is something I dealt with when I was a teenager. And I was, I was in bondage to it. And it, it stole my destiny, my assignment in my teenage years. It's not something I want for you. And we talked about it. And, and as, as we were talking, I could tell that there was a trust being developed because he's like, okay, my dad went through this. I can talk to him. And my goal, I was just telling him yesterday, is when you have a problem, son, I want you to run to me, not run away from me. I want you to come and talk to me. And we pray together and we hug. We pray every day. We talk about purity. We pray together. So I want to encourage you. I think there's something really holy for us men, fathers, to have that conversation with our boys, with our children. So I want to encourage him, believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, his anointing is going to come upon you. And if you haven't had to talk, God's going to give you the courage to have that conversation and for you to speak into their hearts. Amen. All right, we're going to close up with, and we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, but I think the goal of all of this is to raise healthy, fruitful, responsible adults. And I know you guys have stepped into that a little bit, um, and you're on the precipice of it. Um, but I do think that there's something we see um, in the culture, in this next generation of entitlement. And I think the tension of wanting children that are very blessed, that they don't, you know, grow up in a home that maybe some of us did. My mom would always say, you're so, you have no idea how I grew up and you're so lucky. I'm like, well, isn't that what you wanted for me? Like, you know, and she would laugh like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, but we, we sometimes swing too far and then we realize, oh my goodness, like this is also not what we wanted for our kids. And I think you guys have modeled a beautiful, um, you've done a beautiful job modeling this. So give us um, some insight of re raising responsible adults and how some practicals on how you're seeing that in your kids right now. Want me to go? No, okay, I'll go. Okay, some practicals in our home, like all our kids, it doesn't matter, Cohen is 12 years old, he washes all his clothes. Yeah. He folds all his clothes. If he, if he wants to, 
If you need something iron, he does it. Cairo, wow. same thing. Kenya, same thing. In our house, nice. you have to learn how to do stuff. We're not, mom is not going to do everything. I'm not going to do every, everything. So all our kids are involved, you know. They, sometimes, I mean, I could pay somebody to wash my truck or my car, but I have the kids help me to, so they can learn how to use their hands. Not only be on the devices, you know, they got to learn how to, how, to, how to do stuff around the house. So Cohen, Cairo, any, any of our kids, they all learn how to kid, how to cook at a young age, thanks to mom, because she's, she's always there teaching them. They know how to use a knife. They, you know, they know how to make us coffee. Thank you guys for making us coffee, you know. But as, as our kids get older, you start seeing that, that fruit, you know, that result. And I think there's ways also that we could help our older kids, like Caleb. I remember when he turned 18, I told him, okay, so now you're 18, you have your license, you want to buy a car? He didn't even know, but we had already put him on all our credit things, all our, like, credit cards and stuff like that. So when they turned 18, he already had credit. So we're like, Vicente, you know, we went to go talk to Vicente. We need a car for Caleb. We went to his dealer dealership, and guess what? He bought his first car, you know, not a new car, under his name, just his name. Not our name, because he had already built his credit because we had helped him. So Karen, she's, she's 21, same thing. Once she told, turned 18, we're like, call Vicente again. Vicente, we need another car. Not a new car. You know, she, I remember we went to a bunch of dealerships, and, and she wanted a certain, uh, certain type of car that was more than that she was uh, approved for. So she would be like, Dad. Why don't you just sign for, for me and let's get it over with. And we're like, Mommy, as much as I want to sign for you, I, we did this so you could grow up and you be responsible. And you're going you're gonna to buy whatever you can afford to buy. You know? And now Caleb, he has his own car. He has an old credit. So it's just raising up kids. You know, at different ages, you're going to have different things. Yeah, that, that was super important for them. They, they, they're totally on their way with that, and they're responsible with their things, and it gives them a sense of um, just ownership with everything that they have, you know? Uh, Karen's on vacation right now. She's traveling with some girls who are in college. They're in a sem uh, for a semester in Europe, and they're all on, they just had a conversation about how they're paying for everything, and they're all on their parents' credit cards. And Karen paid for her own trip and has been paying for everything for, 20, I don't know, almost 20 days now. And um, jumping from island to island and doing the things, and they can't believe that she's, she pays for it. They can't believe that her job pays for all those things. And so she feels proud of herself, and she's also astonished, like, oh, my gosh, Mom, they have no idea what things cost. Like, they just use, they just swipe their parents' credit cards. So that's um, not the way we raised our kids, and... Um, that's just a practical way of helping them kind of launch them out into their own. Um, when our son, our oldest son went to uh, overseas for a year for college, he, he was 16, and so he needed a passport, he needed all the things, and he was homeschooled, so he was able to go, but we told him, okay, if you're going to be overseas, you're going to be without us, you're going to have to take care of everything. Figure out how to get a passport, figure out how to talk to the college, what to do, what everything. And we didn't do anything, guys. We drove him to the airport in L.A. and sent him to Australia. Like, he took care of it all. Um, he came back and built his own business and went on his way, graduated two years early from high school, and now he's married and has a business and a beautiful wife. Um, so it's just, it's launching them. We don't do it for them. We can help, 
as far as practical ways, but um, really empower them to do that. And they're capable, guys. Kids rise up to the responsibility you give them. So brilliant. Don't underestimate your kids' capabilities. Come on. Don't. And don't cripple them. Don't handicap them by, oh, I'll do it for you. I'll figure it out for you. Let me call them for you. Let me... No, it's time to get a license, get online, see how you get a permit, tell me when your appointment is, I'll take you. But wow. I'm not going to make the appointment for you. So brilliant. So, you want to grow up? Do grown-up things. So good. You know, one second, Christina. Caleb is a 35-year-old wrapped up in a 23-year-old body, <laughs> thanks to good parenting. But Christina, when you touch on uh, Joshua going to college, I love that story. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my baby. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. No. Um, you know what? Something that um, when we were, this is a new season for us. We didn't go to college. We didn't know, like, how do we prepare him? How do we do this? Okay. We learned. We, we just, we, we trusted, again, I trusted in God and the people around me and the wisdom around me. But um, something that I saw in my son that I was just like so incredible that I was just like, Asking, I think I was asking Jess, Jessica's in here somewhere. I was asking Jessica, okay, what do we need to do? She goes, okay, you need a FAFSA. You need to do this and do that. And I'm like, okay, Joshua, we need a FAFSA. We need to do this. He's like, mom, I already took care of it. Mom, I did it. And I'm like, what? Okay, thank you, Jesus. I mean, he just was on it. And he was like, I took care of my financial aid stuff. I went over there. I got all my applications in. I got my, um, my payments for my fees. And, and he just started submitting all these applications. And I was just like blown away. I'm like, I didn't have to do it. I, I was like, oh, my God. It just seeing the level of what he did on his own. But it started way back in the beginning when we were raising them, just like they said it perfectly and beautifully, is that we didn't do things for them. There was a moment when I, I was pregnant with Moses, and they were two little ones. And I'm like, I'm pregnant. I'm, I'm going to have to do this by myself. I'm like, I need you guys to carry the load. You guys need to do the laundry. You guys need to do all of it. I started teaching them how to cook, how to clean, how to take responsibility for themselves it started from a very young age and it remained consistent that I can't do this for you I need you to do this on your own and equipping them to do that even I'm gonna hit this too even with girlfriends I'm like we taught them from a very young age if you don't have a car and you don't have a job you have, should not have a girlfriend come on preach and we she don't said, want a girlfriend you want a girlfriend exactly I love I don't it need what she a girlfriend. Says. I don't need a girlfriend. <laughs> I'm not taking nobody around. I'm not paying for anybody. I'm not driving anybody out. If you're responsible, you want to take a girlfriend, then you pay for it, and you drive her everywhere. So good. You know, so it's just something that we've taught them from a very young age to be responsible for themselves. Brilliant. You know, be responsible for yourselves. And now get to see my baby. He got accepted to Vanguard University. He got an academic on, scholarship. Yeah. Academic scholarship in the thousands of dollars to help pay for his college, a private Christian university. I'm like, God. And for him, when we took that the tour, the moment that he says, like, I feel like I'm going to be taken care of here. And, you know, I felt like, oh, God, you know, like, I don't have to worry. The moment I felt that he was ready, I was like, yeah, he's ready. He's ready to do this Time on his own and to just take this on it. And I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of him. And I'm so proud of all my boys, the way they're just stepping into their level of responsibility and owning things for themselves, doing things on their own. So that was just something. So brilliant. <laughs> oh, so proud of you, Joshua. Good parenting. But hey, I think, I think for me, my mom's best parenting was when she would say, go figure it out. Ay, buscale. Tu puedes. <laughs> 
it, I'm telling you, it taught me how to figure things out. And when there's a problem, you become a problem solver. You become a producer. I got to figure this. I had to do the same thing for college. FAFSA, apply, applied all the places. My mom did nothing for me. But I'm telling you, for parents also, be released to, it's okay to let your kids go and, and, uh, and go figure things out. Amen? I, I was probably the opposite, where my, my mom didn't have good parenting, and so she wanted to make sure I never grew up that way, so she did everything and more, and it was too much, and it's like an over-mothering or an over-parenting, and so sometimes out of what we didn't have, we swing the pendulum and we do too much. And so then I became an adult and I needed Marco to do everything for me. I didn't want to make the phone call about the bill or I didn't, you know, no, you do it. You know, you do it. And you're like, what the heck is wrong with you that you can't make this phone call? But I had someone that in out of love tried to do it all for me so that I wouldn't experience any pain or hardship, but it stunted me, it crippled me, it disabled me. And we've talked about that now where like, we got to find the balance, you know, like we don't want our kids to go through pain, but we, we don't want to protect them from going through hardship or challenge or pressure that actually makes them incredible adults. So I always thank Marco's mom because it made him a really good, capable husband. And I have other friends who they have to do everything for their husband because they had a mom that did everything for them. And now they got married, but their wife is now their mom having to take care of all this stuff. And so the, the fruit of all of this is really healthy marriages and families moving forward. Brilliant. Well, can we please give it up for our panel? Come on. Why don't we stand real quick? You know, as our panel's being dismissed, uh, we're going we're gonna to end um, and we're going to sing a song together because the devil's really tricky, okay? The devil tries always to lead us into shame, but the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to lead us into truth and freedom. Let me say it again. As we have this incredible conversation about family and parenting, it has the potential to bring maybe bad memories or bring shame oh gosh I wish I would have I wish I would have done it like this so I wish my parents would have done it like that and again the devil wants to lead you into shame but the Holy Spirit wants to bring conviction and to lead us into truth healing wholeness and restoration so we're gonna go back into this last song and we're gonna sing together and we're gonna worship together then we're going to close the service. But I really felt the Holy Spirit wanting to move to bring healing and restoration. So as we, if we can have our ministry team come up, uh, we'll have our ministry team come up. And if you're here this morning and you felt that the Holy Spirit was revealing some wounds in you from the past or, or maybe you're believing for, maybe for a spouse or you're believing for your child to come back to the Lord or maybe you need wisdom from God, I want to encourage you to come to the front as we sing this song and receive prayer and then we'll close the service. Amen? All right, let's go, guys. Rain fell when the floods came, when the wind blew, I was okay. I got right there, you're in every step I take. When the night falls, when my heart aches, if I stumble, I will not break. You'll be right there, you're in every step I take. When the rain fell, when the floods came, when the wind blew, I was okay. You were right there, you were in every step I take. 
when the night falls, when my heart aches, if I stumble, I will not break, you'll be right there, you're in every step I take, you're my shepherd, you're my keeper, my provider, my protector, you're surrounded. some of us that as we were talking about the the topic of family it exposed some wounds from the past and Holy Spirit I ask you to breathe healing into those wounds make us whole right now in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit you have the power to go into deep traumas we've experienced from the past and bring healing you have the power to go into our past and bring healing I prophesy and declare healing right now, a beautiful wave of healing from heaven into every heart, every mind, every thought, 
in the name of Jesus. Why don't you hold your hands like you're receiving something right now with me. Holy Spirit, fill us up with restoration, wholeness, healing, peace. You know, I feel the Holy Spirit. You're going to know you're experiencing healing because you're going to be, begin to experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Some of you have had a, a, a demonic assignment on your life bringing worry and doubt, a cloud of darkness, but the Holy Spirit is coming in, come on, like a sword, cutting through that and bringing peace to your heart. You're going to begin to experience peace right now, a wave of peace running through your body. Like a river flowing, beautiful river, bringing calm and peace in the name of Jesus. And I speak into every situation we're going through right now in our families, in our marriages. Come on, bringing wholeness and healing with our children, bringing wholeness and healing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for the power and authority you give us to walk out of the doors of this church. Come on and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and applying everything we learned today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.